0: Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio. I'm Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, August 26, 2021. The computer chip shortage has been the dominant story of the auto industry this summer, so to get a deeper look into the causes and possible solutions, I turned to an early-stage investor behind Indy Semiconductor, a California-based specialist in automotive chips that went public in May and is valued at more than $1 billion. Alexey Andreev, is a managing director with Autotech Ventures, which backs innovative companies involved with any element of ground transportation or a vehicle's life cycle. It's backed companies including ride-hailing giant Lyft, Outdoorsy, which is like an Airbnb for RVs, and Volta Industries, an EV charging company that begins trading today. I reached Alexi on Highway 101 between Palo Alto and San Francisco. Alexei Andreev, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank You're you actually here. on your daily drive today.
1: Indeed, I'm. I'm driving on 101 from Palo Alto to San Francisco. The good thing I'm not in a rush, and so I
0: can avoid some crazy drivers around. So, as an investor, you've uh, spent a lot of time studying the chip industry, computer chip industry. And where we have such a problem in the auto industry, so many companies, it's even spreading now to Toyota. Um, everybody is grappling with the short supply. Where, in your analysis, where is the breakdown? And how long might it take for supply to normalize and catch up with demand?
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, From what what I understand, it's, uh, it's almost a perfect store. You have several forces in action all feeding semiconductor industry at the same time. And as you know, historically, semiconductor industry was fighting with overcapacity. And in the 90s, uh, industry definitely got overcapacity, building, expecting uh, or riding the dot-com bubble wave. And ever since dot-com bubble, the industry has been cutting uh, overcapacity and and, and making better and better projections. And so, right now, uh, when the storm started, it simply doesn't have too much spare capacity to make extra chips. And so, let me tell you factors about the storm or what contributes to the storm. So, uh, a couple of them. First is clearly US sanctions on uh, chaining stick giants. And uh, those sanctions have two flavors. Flavor number one, now no one in China is confident they will be able to purchase chips tomorrow, chips uh, produced with US technology in some other uh, countries like chips from Taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company, as you know, Huawei, ZT, and some other players got hit uh, with, with uh, inability to buy silicon. And so, uh, all those who are not on the sanctions list today, they're buying some extra. And so they're loading their supply chain. They want to have six to nine months of uninterrupted uh, supply, even if something bad happens for them. And they're designated as violators of US sanctions or, or whatever. So the second factor is uh, uh, foundries and manufacturing uh, uh, facilities in China. Again, they rely heavily on US. Made equipment and so applied materials uh, here in Silicon Valley, uh, LEM research, KLA 10 core, there are major massive players in uh, material deposition, uh, cheap inspection, and manufacturing processes. And so essentially, you cannot build uh, an advanced foundry uh, today without using applied uh, KLA or LAM research tools, which just cannot be done. And so US is restricting access to those uh, new tools for some of Chinese foundries, creating inability to scale fast. Then was another, almost a unicorn factor, uh, and this is decision of Apple to switch from Intel processors uh, to start making their own chips for uh, uh, computers and as well as cell phones. And so historically, Intel built a lot of capacity uh, to produce those chips uh, like Intel processors for itself as well as uh, Apple product lines. And uh, Intel processes a little bit unusual. I don't want to go into technical details, but you have multiple foundries around the world. The, The biggest one is TSMC, you have Global Foundry, you have Samsung, which will produce chips for you. And they have more and less similar manufacturing flow. Uh, Intel chips are different, uh, not totally different, but different enough. And so, if if you use Intel uh, uh, a manufacturing process, you cannot just take blueprints from somewhere else and say, Hey, Intel, can you make me those chips? No, those chips are like arm and glove, they're co designed, co evolved with with relatively a uh, unique uh, manufacturing process at Intel. So the moment Intel decided to switch, or uh, Apple decided to switch from Intel to uh, its own silicon, it shifted manufacturing capacity from Intel to Taiwan. And as a result, TSMC is now overloaded and Intel is un- currently underloaded.
0: So doesn't so, that create a uh, uh, capacity of and so, but the Intel chips are not a ready fit for the auto industry, even though they have underused capacity?
1: Uh, the answer is yes. And my, my suspicion, uh, if you buy Intel chips, Intel should be able to ship you whatever volume you want. It is specifically chips produced uh, on or by traditional foundries. Uh, like TSMC or Global Foundry or some other players, uh, they are mostly in short supply. And as you know, semiconductor industry went fabless. So long, long time ago, in the 70s and 80s, many semiconductor companies had their own foundries, uh, making their own chips. And nowadays, the chip manufacturing is concentrated in hands of four or five very, very large players. And if you think about Qualcomm chips, and all the vehicles have Qualcomm chips, uh, they're all manufactured somewhere or elsewhere, by somebody. Qualcomm, just the designer and distributor of those silicon. If you think about TI, uh, those chips are made by somebody else. If you think about Atmel and microcontrollers and everything else, they don't have their own foundries. They rely on four or five very, very large players to make them, and so if those large players are cloaked by demand from uh, apple uh, unfortunately for automotive industry apple can apply force and apple can twist hands of those factories and make sure apple always have supply no matter what and whoever is competing with apple for supply and manufacturing capacity at the same plants they have bad luck it's hard to do
0: So, tell me a little about Indie Semiconductor. Uh, You when did when did you get in? When did Auto Tech Ventures uh, get into it? And do you still hold a stake, even now that it's a a publicly traded company and specializing in automotive chips or automotive applications? How Uh, does how do they fit into that value chain?
1: Yeah, they're they're a fabless semiconductor company, so they don't have their own manufacturing. Uh, capacity. And I'll explain to you, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some predictions about supply chain. And uh, I, I believe we're still two to three quarters away from supply chain normalization. But if you think about uh, Indy Semi, so it's a fabulous semiconductor company based in Southern California. Uh, serial entrepreneurs started and sold semiconductor companies before. We got involved in 2017, 2018, and what became clear to us is vehicles are consuming more and more chips, they're becoming supercomputers on wheels, and the industry doesn't have enough competition and doesn't have enough innovation, or didn't have enough innovation those days. So, uh, you would have like two or three very large suppliers, suppliers like Uh, Infineon suppliers like Renesas or or NXP and they would give you a catalog of parts saying hey if you want to, if you need my chips this is the catalog and you need to choose chips from the catalog and uh, do whatever you want with those chips and many tier ones uh, they actually wanted something unique they wanted to have a unique part semiconductor part designed for them they didn't want to have uh, a second or third source for their unique module. They wanted to have one chip solution which would integrate uh, radio, which would integrate compute, which would integrate power control. And so traditional chip manufacturers just didn't have uh, ability and frankly desire to design unique parts for tier ones and OEMs. And so what's happened, we discovered Indy and Indy has a pretty unique business model. Uh, and they would engage with the end customers, and they would design a unique chip for I don't know for for any tier one, whether it's 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 Conti, whether it's uh, Bork Warner, whether it's and I'm I'm just coming up with names. You can go and read their S four and and see the customers they serve, but they serve a bunch of uh, large tier ones and tier zeros around the world. I think thirty percent of of New vehicles produced in the United States, they have indie semiconductor silicon inside. Mm-hmm. And and so anyway, Indy, uh, un- unlike other traditional semiconductor players who would say, hey, this is the catalog and pick and choose part from the catalog, they would work with Tier 1s and Tier 2s saying, hey, how can we solve your problem? How we can design chips specifically for you? Uh, And we'll make sure your competitors don't have the same silicon. You will be uniquely powered by Indy Semiconductor to do what you're doing. And the company has been growing very fast. I think it has 95% of its revenues coming from automotive. They still rely on on commercial foundries to make the silicon, but at least their silicon chips are unique and customers are happy. And as, again, you can flip through their uh, security exchange commission filings. Indy has over a billion dollars in locked uh, contracts and locked pipeline with uh, car producers. And so we we feel really good about the company, the management team, the fact that they're in place, they're in the right place at the right time. Uh, Another interesting thing for you uh, regarding supply chain uh, issues. So if you, you have severe shortages of chips, if you're dealing with something called advanced nodes, and so if you have to compete with NVIDIA, if you have to compete with uh, Apple, if you have to compete with other chip designers and, and, and chip companies, which require absolutely cutting-edge manufacturing processes, in this case, your supply chain is super strained, If you don't care about cutting edge uh, flow, and if you're okay with, I don't know, 90, 45 nanometer uh, fabrication facility, and that's how semiconductor industry measures the width of of deposition line. And so the smaller the number, the more advanced the foundry is. So if you're okay living with 90 or 45 or 30 nanometers, you still have quite a lot of manufacturing capacity available. And so whether it's good or bad, but uh, Indy Semiconductor is not relying on cutting edge boundaries. And so their supply base seem to be doing really well. And for the best of my understanding, they, they don't have any interruptions providing
0: their chips to the customers. We'll be back for more with Alexey Andreev, Managing Director of Autotech Ventures, after this. Innovation, resilience, agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org radio. So, how has the pandemic broadly uh, the chip uh, the chip shortage? Of course, comes from the pandemic, but um, the other changes as you look at the entire range of the auto industry, the entire value cycle. Uh, how have the upheavals from of the pandemic? You know, have the have they changed the? I guess what I'm asking. Let me say ask, ask this again. We'll edit that out. Uh, <laughs> um, Including the chip shortage, how has the pandemic affected the upheavals already underway in the industry? The trends toward electrification, toward automated driving, digital retail, mobility as a service. Do you feel like they've accelerated uh, these changes or, or have they stymied them?
1: Uh, we, we can spend probably half an hour to an hour just talking about each and every of that. But, but I'll try to, to, to answer to give a short summary. I think all those trends got impacted, and some of them accelerated and then accelerated massively. Some of them slowed down. Some of them kind of uh, moved sideways, uh, changing direction, changing the, the vector uh, and and at which they're uh, progressing. And so we can go like one by one. If you think about mobility uh, and sharing, uh, I think mass transit got hit by COVID, that's that's absolutely truth. And people are having post-traumatic uh, PTSD uh, based on COVID. And so we see significantly reduced ridership, bus ridership, subway ridership, all over the world, train ridership. And so uh, as a result, if you still have to get to your site uh, where you're working, you're not carpooling anymore. You're really concerned about who's next to you in a subway. And so as a result, we saw pretty significant uptake in used car, in car ownership. And we expect a significant uptake in car ownership, both kind of new purchases and definitely used vehicles. Um, and we expected to stay here for the next two, three, four years before we normalize and learn how to leave with COVID. And it's it's not a fear factor anymore. But for now, it's definitely a fear factor. Um, if you think about electrification, it's it's clearly uh the infrastructure bill and whatever it's happening in Washington, DC, is driven by COVID, and the amount of money uh to be invested in the infrastructure is definitely driven by COVID to shore the economy and create new jobs and, and make sure people are busy. Uh, and, and we can jumpstart, bootstrap uh, U.S. economy back. Right. And so uh, we, we have big delivers in you know, electrification. All the trends are showing continuous increase in EVs, both on the commercial side and light commercial side, mm-hmm. uh, as well as passenger vehicles. We are, I would say, more skeptical about 18-wheelers and Class 8 be electrified, but for kind of lorries, and city level delivery services, as well as individually owned vehicles, EVs, I think is an unstoppable force. Uh, autonomy is uh, a bit tricky. Uh, and uh, clearly, we're learning, we as an industry, learning that it's more difficult than everyone expected five years ago. And so, the industry can solve 99.9% of the problems, but it's not enough. We need to get to five nines or six nines, and one of our advisors, uh, Anthony uh, Tobe, who was the head of R&D for General Motors, is saying, hey guys, unless you can drive in a snowstorm in Michigan, it's not autonomous. And and there are just too many corner cases uh, uh, those autonomous vehicles have to deal with and so clearly you need to have a lot of money and invest a lot of time to get this technology for the market and so we as as a venture capital firm we uh, we decided to invest in off-road autonomy and so we investors in uh, Verdan robotics uh, which is building autonomous vehicles for agricultural industry kind of private land low speed uh, harsh conditions labor shortages and, and you can get to, to really high ROIs really fast. And another, our off-road autonomy uh, company is SafeAI. They just announced a new round of funding. They automate mining and construction equipment. They're making them autonomous and, and again capable of operating outside of highways, outside of public roads uh, in, in, in much more forgiving driving conditions. Uh, but if you think about general highway autonomy uh we're almost dealing with uh game of thrones you have four or five mega armies and they're fighting for technical supremacy and for for the ability to launch uh uh, technology to the market i don't think many startup companies like truly early stage startups will survive the battle they will have to get acquired by those uh uh lannisters armies or or be wiped out from, from existence. Uh, and you asked about some other trends. So
0: uh, digital retail. I mean I was the other one I've said I don't know if you're into oh, that part know, of
1: investors uh, in digital retail and multi-channel retail will love it. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting. It's it's a it's a camelback trajectory for digital retail. So when COVID started uh, and showrooms uh, were closed across across many states in the country uh buyers started asking the question why can we buy tesla uh from online store and why we can even buy a house on zillow uh, without visiting this uh, the, the final destination why we cannot buy buy a vehicle uh used vehicle or brand new vehicle from another OEM? And we all know franchise laws are, are uh, uh, providing some constraints on what can and cannot be done. But I think uh, at this moment, dealership uh, owners and operators realized, hey, we, we, we need to bring people in, in showrooms, but our showrooms are essentially closed. And so we have to learn how to sell vehicles online, how we can Teslafy truly Teslify experiences for our uh, uh, customers and how we can uh, uh, emulate or, or even excel what Tesla provides in terms of purchasing experience. And we, we have several portfolio companies. Uh, the closest one is Digital Motors based in LA. They provide uh, solutions for uh, multi-channel retail. Again, it's WWW Digital Motors. I'm a board director of this company. They're getting great traction. Uh, 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 Tesla fund, uh franchise dealerships with our system. We are investors in work truck solutions, which is doing inventory management and uh, 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 lead for commercial vehicles, uh, f- class four to class uh, six. Uh, they do class three as well. We are early investors. We see that company called Rolic. Uh, and Rolic is providing uh, online uh, purchasing software and it's more than that, but but it allows people to purchase online, to get discounts, hmm. get f and I questions, answer it and and deal locked. Uh they're focusing on motorcycles and power sports and RVs. And so we, we were big believers. Uh, definitely COVID started the process. And I think now in two, three, four, five years from now, purchasing vehicle online will be more and less, especially new vehicle will be more or less standard experience. And then, uh, shortage started and, and, and used vehicle prices went up and inventory went down. And so dealerships, they were like, oh, uh I should I spend my time and my resources to upgrade my uh, dealerships to bring this new capabilities online or should I just focus on my car buyers and sell whatever I can sell because everything flies from the lot? And do I really need this extra fancy software? or I just can do it old and proven way and I don't care about many aspects of this new wave, because I can sell whatever I have. Mm -hmm. And and I think we're currently living through, I don't say buyer's remorse. But we're living through a little bit of cool off in digital retail. uh, Because COVID is not impacting sales, and there is a significant shortage of inventory and people just buy whatever is on the load. And you don't need to have any fancy schmancy solutions to to drive new buyers in, in dealership rooms. And I think it will kind of rebalance back. And we will see those uh, tools and multi-channel retail tools coming back and coming back strongly. I think Elon Musk is uh, spearheading and trailblazing many things from, again, EVs to autonomy and and retail. And as you probably now uh, know, uh, Tesla is now providing uh, automotive insurance, and so we believe this this bundling of insurance and telematics from Tesla is something that the rest of the industry will have to learn soon. And to go back to your original question, I think COVID rapidly accelerated multi-channel retail and tight inventory slowed multi-channel retail and internet purchases, but I'm sure it will
0: come back. I feel very, very confident it will come back. When, supply, next... when vehicle supply gets back to normal, that it's going to be such a huge uh, competitive front for yep. everyone. Yep. Alexi Andreas driving through Silicon Valley, thank you for taking us along on this daily drive.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, and uh, have a great day, everybody. Uh, the industry has been challenging some bumps down the road, but I'm sure we will uh, get through, and, and, and the industry is here to stay and make a lot of money
0: for for its participants. Thank you (laughs) again. That's Daily Drive for August 26th. For the latest news on the auto industry, type in autonews.com. And for a complete catalog of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. Thanks for listening.